Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer, also known as Know How to NFL on TikTok and Instagram. At the time that I'm recording this, it is Wednesday, and the season starts tomorrow with the Cowboys playing the Buccaneers. I'm going to go over every game of Week 1 and what I expect from them in a later part of this podcast. But first, I want to start by talking about some of the contract moves that are that have been made over the past week. I want to start with the Mark Andrews extension, in which he's getting paid four-year, $56 million. Is Mark Andrews important for the Ravens' offense? Yes, without a doubt. But I don't think he's crucial enough for the team for them to pay him this much. Or maybe they could pay him this much, but I think the top priority should have been Lamar Jackson. They still didn't give him his huge deal that they're going to have to pay him eventually. And I think Lamar Jackson is way more important to this offense, as everyone knows. I don't think you should be signing big contracts with players like Mark Andrews until you have Lamar Jackson locked up. Because the money that you're using on players like Mark Andrews should be used on your quarterback first because... Let's be honest, this team is nowhere near as good as it is right now without Lamar Jackson. The team, the Ravens offense revolves around running the ball. Mark Andrews doesn't really contribute in that aspect. In terms of run blocking, Nick Boyle is obviously better. Mark Andrews adds a very good receiving threat to the team, and it makes teams worry way more about the passing game. But I think Lamar Jackson and their offensive line, I think those are players that should be prioritized first over Mark Andrews, especially considering how much he's getting paid, when in reality, I don't think he's really worth that much until the tight end market goes up, which as of now, it's not that high. Kittle and Kelsey are the two tight ends right now, with how the tight end market is set up right now. I think they're the only two tight ends worth that much, and they're probably worth more. Maybe Waller is another one that you could throw in. Probably Waller. But the Ravens are currently pushing the tight end market forward as opposed to following what other teams do. I don't think that that's the right move for them. I don't think that's the right approach. I think that they shouldn't be trying to elevate how much tight ends are getting paid. I think... They should just follow suit in like the around nine million per year basis. Not how much is he getting paid? Sixteen million, fifth, sorry, fourteen million per year. He's very good, and I think with the cap space or the cap limit raising, or probably raising after this year, this probably won't come to bite them in the ass. But I do think they probably could have got him for at least a little bit less. Reports are that the entire contract negotiation experience for them went very smoothly, so I wonder if even Mark Andrews was expecting to get paid that much. I think, if anything, he was probably expecting to get paid less, so once he heard them say $14 million per year, he was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely doing that. Because reports are it went very well, and it was extremely quick. I think Lamar Jackson should have been the top priority for this team, without a doubt. Mark Andrews is definitely important, don't get me wrong, but they could have paid him less. And I think 
the offensive line. Players like Ronnie Stanley, they should try and put under contract. Although, they did give him a huge deal. Uh, so, Ronnie Stanley was a bad example. But, they gave Ronnie Stanley that huge deal. Now, they're giving Mark Andrews a huge deal. When are you paying Lamar Jackson, right? Keep in mind, Mark Andrews has not passed 900 receiving yards in a season. Now, yet again, he isn't old or anything. But still, I mean, he isn't that important to the team. I, I Of course, he's not a player easy to replace. And, of course, they should have re-signed him. But they should have started the negotiation process by lowballing him. Because it went, reportedly, really smoothly when negotiating the contract. And he's getting paid way more, or at least a little bit more, than I think he should be getting paid. Now, let's move on to another contract situation. One that is probably the exact opposite of Mark Andrews's. Devontae Adams, reportedly earlier today, he says that there's no chance he signs an extension with the Packers. I think it's very obvious why he's doing this. Rodgers leaving. Why would he want... It's very clear he doesn't want to play with Jordan Love. He wants to play with a quarterback that he he himself likes, whether that's Derek Carr. Maybe he reunites with Rodgers on another team. All that really matters is that this Packers team is falling apart, and it's mainly because of Rodgers. Teams are going to rally around your quarterback, especially someone like Aaron Rodgers, who kind of, he's not really likable per se, but he does have a big personality and people will rally rally around him just because, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's already, he already has a spot in canon for him. He's going to make it to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the most talented, if not the most talented quarterback to ever play the sport. So, of course, players are going to love him. And if Rodgers is talking bad about the team, the rest of the players are not going to want to play there. And Devontae Adams is going to be the first of many saying that he that they're not playing for the Packers after this year. The free agents on this team probably are not going to return most of them. And Devontae Adams is going to be one of those guys. Unless Rodgers stays, Devontae Adams isn't staying either. It's just that simple. The Packers roster is falling apart. Even though they're trying to paint it as their last dance season between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, it's just going to be disappointing. They're going to make it to the NFC Championship, maybe not even the NFC Championship, and then lose. No way they're a Super Bowl team. Just because as talented as Aaron Rodgers is, as talented as Devontae Adams is, they don't really have a great receiver core, okay? Even though they added... Uh, they added Randall Cobb, whatever, who, it's Randall Cobb, like, he's not gonna make a huge difference for that team, and the defense also is not Super Bowl caliber, I love Jair Alexander, but then, other than him, really, and Kenny Clark, they don't really have any stars, I would not say that that defense is gonna be in the Super Bowl, it just doesn't look good enough. And the offense isn't good enough to make up for the defense being basically average, I would say. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a great season with Devontae Adams. Don't get me wrong. But I do not expect them to be anywhere near as good 
as Packers fans are probably hyping them up to be because they're setting expectations high by saying last dance and posting pictures of Michael Jordan and basically implying that they are going to have one last season together, him and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and they're going to steamroll the the entire NFL. It's not happening. The team isn't good enough. And especially when your locker room is like it is right now, which I imagine is pretty bad, considering Rodgers is literally saying that he hates the team in press conferences. That is not going to be leading you very far in the playoffs. Of course, the team will make it to the postseason, right? But when your locker room is like it is right now with a lot of people rallying towards a guy who's just talking shit on the entire organization, it's not going to go well at all. And like I said, a lot of the free agents on this team are not going to stay. Devontae Adams is the first one that's saying he's not signing an extension, and we're going to see multiple other people saying that they're not signing an extension. And that's to be expected. And I, I like Jordan Love. I don't understand why Devontae Adams is so against playing with him. Maybe he likes Jordan Love too, but it's very clear Rodgers, or I'm assuming Rodgers is making him not want to play for this team anymore. Maybe Rodgers literally talked to him, maybe texted him, maybe called him during his entire hissy fit around the NFL draft and was like, this team has treated me terribly. Me and you need to team up and treat them terribly. And don't get me wrong, they, the Packers have not treated both of these superstars like they deserve to be treated. Do not get it twisted. I'm not defending what the Packers did to these two, alright? But, it's pretty immature to be saying what Rodgers said in that press conference multiple weeks ago. And now, pouring icing on the cake with saying that there's no chance that you sign an extension with the team, just not going to make the locker room all that great. And without a great locker room, you're not going to make it that far in the postseason. Because the teams that make it far in the postseason are the teams that have a good mentality in the locker room. And yeah, of course they have talent, and the Packers have checked off those boxes in the talent department. But maybe a big reason that Rodgers hasn't made it past the NFC Championship in a very long time is because he hasn't been a very good leader for the team. And I think this just proves it. If he's been acting like he was this season throughout his entire career, I mean... It's easy to see why they haven't made it back to the Super Bowl since the early 2010s. And I'm sorry, Packers fans, but if Devontae Adams leaves, it's going to be difficult for you to make the playoffs after that because losing Rodgers is one thing, although I do like Jordan Love. He has played very well in the preseason. But losing Devontae Adams, too, your wide receiver core will take a heavy decline. Heavy, heavy, heavy decline without Devontae Adams. Because they don't have depth. They don't They don't have a number one guy after that. Maybe the kid Amari Rodgers will play well. Alright? And I, I do like him. 
but I doubt he's going to be Devontae Adams level good. I it, it could very well be Devontae Adams not liking the contract because of the amount of money, but I find that unlikely just because of what Rodgers has said and how much respect I'm imagining that locker room has for Rodgers, although I'm willing to bet a lot of money that some of those players have lost so much respect for him due to what he did over this offseason. But we know Devontae Adams likes him. It's very clear. So I think Devontae Adams is just following the leader. You know, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Like I said, he's a Hall of Famer probably, very likely. He's going to do what Rodgers does. If Rodgers tells him not to play for the team next year, he's not going to play for the team next year. And that's why I'm assuming he's saying this. That's why I'm assuming he's saying that there's no chance he signs a contract with the team. He doesn't want to be there because Rodgers doesn't want to be there. All right, let's move on to another contract dispute. We went over a good contract in which, although I think the Ravens slightly overpaid, it was very good for the player. The player loved it. Then we went to another contract where... The player doesn't like the team, but, you know, the contract itself wasn't bad. Now let's turn that around to a player that loves the team, but he hates the contract. T.J. Watt, right? He was a contender for Defensive Player of the Year last year. He was very deserving of that award. It sucks that he's playing in the same era as Aaron Donald, though. It makes it a lot harder to win that award with Aaron Donald in the league. But still, a phenomenal season last year. In 2020, he had 15 sacks, 33 quarterback hurries, 49 QB hits, and 26 knockdowns. Those are good numbers. Those are very good numbers. And then you keep in mind that there were some other players on that defense that were kind of stealing some of his production, although that could also be a reason he was able to have that production because of the defense around him being very good. The point is, TJ Watt's a very good player. All right? The Steelers, this has been a thing throughout the entirety of the Steelers' existence. They don't fully guarantee money beyond the first year of a deal with any team, with any player, all right? Which T.J. Watt doesn't like. He's been he's made that very clear. The Steelers also don't negotiate contracts during the season. So that's going to make this very interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if while I'm posting this podcast... Either the Steelers come and meet in the middle with T.J. Watt, or we get a lot of reports about T.J. Watt being frustrated with the team because they're not, they are not going to negotiate during the middle of the season, although I think they should because, yeah, I, I get it, Pittsburgh, right? You have your standards. You don't want to break your rules, okay? Yeah, I get that. I get that. But T.J. Watt is a different animal. T.J. Watt is the type of player that you don't get very often. It's very hard to get a player of that caliber. Do what it takes to make him happy. Just do whatever it takes. Because he he is so important to this team, right? The Steelers led the league in sacks every year since he was drafted. Every single year. That's good. That is really good. The past four years... Since T.J. Watt was drafted, they led the league in sacks. That is extremely good. And this is the player that you're 
not given the contract that he wants because what? You you have standards about and you have rules about not guaranteeing money past the first year. Just do it. Why why is every other team doing it but not you? It doesn't make sense. It, it's 2021 now. Okay, stop doing stuff that used to work in 1970. It's stupid. It's stupid. And the the Steelers have not really had to you know break these rules in a long time. They break they break these rules with quarterbacks somewhat often. They do it with Ben. They do it with Big Ben. And they kind of somewhat did it with Antonio Brown. But, you know, this is the type of stuff that made Le'Veon walk away. I, I I do not understand how you don't learn from the past and then be like, you know what, TJ Watt's a superstar player. Let's keep him on the roster. Do whatever it takes to please him. I don't understand it because he is that good. He is that He is a player that is so good. Any contract is a good contract for him. As long as you have him locked in. On your roster, it's a good contract because he's just that good. He's just that good. All right? TJ Watt is the second best edge rusher in the NFL. And in terms of production, he is the be- he was the most productive defensive player in terms of numbers last year. He's a beast. There's no reason not to keep him on your team. I don't care how much you have to pay him. He's a stud. And the fact that it's because you don't want to guarantee money. Like, what What are you worried about? Cutting him after this year? Like, you're not going to cut him. I don't see why you really care about guaranteed money, TJ Watt, and his agent. I, I don't really understand why it matters that much. Maybe it's because of injuries, right? But the Steelers, I mean, you're going to pay him that money either way. Probably, unless he gets injured. And, I mean, he's that good. I don't blame him for wanting injury insurance. I don't blame him. Because he's just that good of a player. The only thing that... I don't see why it's a huge, huge deal, but I get it. I don't see why the Steelers are being so complicated over it. Like, no guaranteed money past the first year? What? I wonder how many free agents they've missed over the past couple of years just because... They've been giving contracts out like this. It doesn't really make sense. I'm surprised teams are still working like that. It's idiotic. You have to pay him what he wants. After losing Bud Dupree over the offseason and Devin Bush is coming off a major injury, you need that guy in the front seven that scares defenses, uh, that scares offenses, and they feel a need to game plan around him. You need that. Because if you want to remain on elite defense, which they, I know the Steelers do. I watched enough Steelers football to know how much they care about their defense, right? In order to remain a top-tier defense, you need to keep T.J. Watt. You need to have that star player, and T.J. Watt is that guy. All, all the best defenses have him. All the best defenses have that one guy that just absolutely obliterates the offense, and T.J. Watt is what that is for the Steelers, right? The Rams last year, they Aaron Donald. The no-fly zone in the mid-2010s with Von Miller. Richard Sherman with the Seahawks, right? I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is good, but 
I'd like to have a beast in the front seven, TJ Watt, and then another stud in the secondary. That's very good. And while you could still have that, I'd do whatever it takes to keep it. The Steelers lead the league in cap space after this year. Okay? So they're not in a bad spot financially. Just, just you know, sign him. He's a stud. He's worth all the money in the world. Okay? He's just that good of a player. There is no reason to let him walk. The only reason that you have is breaking a couple rules that you set for yourself. It's stupid. It's not breaking league rules. It's breaking some code that you set up for yourself. And the, I get it. There's a little bit worried, maybe, that if they break these rules for TJ Watt, other players will want them to, you know, break it for them. But the thing is, not every player is TJ Watt. I bet if you say that to these other players, like, I don't know, if Cameron Hayward asks, you know, oh, can we negotiate midseason? Tell him the only reason we did it for TJ Watt was because, you know, he's TJ Watt. If you're TJ Watt, then yeah. Oh, can I can I get guaranteed money past the first year? Sorry, you have to be as good as TJ Watt for that to happen. Like, TJ Watt is just that good that you have to give him whatever it is he wants. And I doubt it's anything too outlandish, considering it's not it's not the amount of money that he's complaining about. It's the lack of guaranteed money. That's an easy fix. It's just that they, the Steelers, are stupid, and they set up this code for themselves, basically saying that they don't give guaranteed money past the first year. It's stupid. It is stupid. There's no reason for it. No reason for it. 15 sacks last year, 33 hurries, 49 QB hits, and 26 knockdowns. Those are great numbers. And because of a code that you set up for yourself, you don't want to you don't want to keep them. It's stupid. It is one of the dumbest things that have happened in a long time. All right, in the next segment after the break, I'm going to talk about some of my predictions and which teams I expect to win which games over the first week of the NFL season. I'm so excited for it to start. You're listening to the Goal Line Podcast, and we'll be back. And we are back. On this part of the podcast, I want to talk about every single game of Week 1, which, at the time that I'm recording this, starts tomorrow. The first game that I want to talk about is the Baltimore Ravens playing Las Vegas in Las Vegas. Now, the Ravens, you know, very good team. They just got Mark Andrews on that huge deal that I talked about earlier. You know, the Raiders, they don't really have much on the defensive side of the ball. Their offense was actually pretty good last year, but it's going to decline heavily with a brand new revamped offensive line, which I don't really like. Josh Jacobs is still a very important part of that offense. Derek Carr is still going to be a pretty good quarterback. Darren Waller is going to ball out all season. But I don't think that that's going to be enough to stop Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense, really. On the defensive side of the ball, the the Raiders have nothing. They have no one. Okay? So how are they going to stop one of the best running offenses in terms of numbers ever? How, how are they going to stop that? Remember just two years ago, 
In 2019, Lamar Jackson's MVP year, this offense had the most rushing yards out of any team ever. Ever. And the the Raiders expect to stop that with Cleland Farrell and Yannick Nagakwe? I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening. I don't know how the Raiders are going to deal with Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards. I think their offense is just too good, and the Raiders don't have the defense to be able to even come close to it. I think the Ravens are probably going to let up a touchdown or two, maybe. But, you know, the Raiders are not going to be able to do much on the ground because, like I said, that offensive line stinks. Derek Carr I like, but he doesn't have any receivers. I mean, Henry Ruggs had a very, very disappointing rookie year. Brian Edwards has showed flashes of a great receiver in training camp, and he may be able to keep that up, but I'm not sure if he's a wide receiver. One, I think Darren Waller is the true number one option on that team, and Patrick Queen is going to have a tough matchup with him. It's going to be tough for Patrick Queen to guard him, but I, I don't, I don't know how the Raiders are going to stop Lamar Jackson, is the thing. I think the Raiders are only going to score twice, probably. They'll probably end the game with like 14 points, and then the Raider, then the Ravens will probably blow them out of the water. Probably get at least like 38 points. I, I don't know how the Raiders will stop them. Their defense is really not good. How about we talk about New England? Talk playing against their division rivals, the Dolphins. Tua, you know, he had a kind of disappointing rookie year, but now that offense is designed for him, all right? And even though Bill Belichick is great against rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks, I still think Tua is going to get the best of him. You know, with Mac Jones playing his first NFL regular season game, Brian Flores has an, has a very good understanding of defense and how to disguise blitzes and confuse young quarterbacks. And although Mac Jones is, is really good at the mental part of the game, and although he looks like a 10-year veteran, that's just what I've seen in the preseason. It's a lot different in regular season po- football playing against a very advanced and very complex defense like Brian Flores's. Brian Flores, you know, he worked with Belichick, and Belichick may know how to, you know, beat the Brian Flores defense, but I, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be able to execute at a very high level against Miami because Miami is just so complex on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think any rookie is going to know how to deal with that, especially in their first game. Although I do still think the game will be close because I I think the New England Patriots defense will know how to stop Tua. I expect it to be a pretty low-scoring affair, probably ending in like 21-14, to 21-17. I could definitely see that happening, but I, I think Miami takes it. Even though, you know, Belichick, he's smart. He'll probably be able to beat Tua. I think... Brian, it, it's really going to come down to which defense can stop which quarterback better. Which defense will be able to handle which quarterback better. I, I think that's going to be what it comes down to. And I think Brian Flores is going to be able to deal with a rookie Mac Jones in his first regular season game 
better than Bill Belichick is going to be able to handle Tua coming into his second season with a brand new offense designed for him. How about the Chiefs playing against Cleveland? A rematch of the AFC Championship from last year, you know. Or, sorry, not the AFC Championship. The divisional round in the AFC from last year, in which Chad Henney came in to beat the Browns, right? I I do understand why some people would have Cleveland winning this game. Because in that divisional round game that I just mentioned, the Browns almost beat them. They could have beat them. And Chad Henney wasn't even in that long, right? I think the Browns can definitely beat Mahomes. But the thing is... It's Andy Reid with multiple weeks to prepare for a game. Uh, that's hard. That That's a hard thing to beat. When you give Andy Reid time, more than a week to prepare for a game, it's very hard to beat him. Very hard to beat him. That's why, that's why I think the Chiefs still win this game. Even though Cleveland proved that they can beat the Chiefs, the fact that the Chiefs have more time to prepare, I, I, that's what makes me think the Chiefs are going to win it. Because Andy Reid is so good when you give him time. Great when you give him time. And that that offense is so explosive. And don't get me wrong, I, I love the Browns. I think the Browns are going to be a really good team this year. But I don't think that they're going to start the season off going into Kansas City and getting a win. I don't see it happening. Now, how about the toilet bowl of this week? The Texans playing against the Jaguars. This is going to be one of these teams' only wins of the season. Maybe one of these teams will only end up with one win. Maybe both of them only end up with one win. But both these teams suck. Some people are hyping up the Jaguars a little bit, alright? I, I, now, I don't agree, but I, I hear a lot of people saying because of Trevor Lawrence, because that receiver core looks pretty good, Urban Meyer, you know, he's going to be able to design an offense pretty well. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to be all that great. I really don't. I think the defense still sucks. Trevor Lawrence, he, he didn't look bad in the preseason, but he didn't look as good as we expected him to. The offensive line still sucks. And I like James Robinson a lot, but with that offensive line, I don't expect their running game to be all that great. So I have the—I actually have the Texans winning it, believe it or not. Because, first off, it's in Houston. That's an advantage for them. And even though I think David Culley is a horrible head coach, absolutely terrible, one of the worst head coach signings I've ever seen in my entire life. But... He does have NFL experience, as opposed to Urban Meyer, who hasn't even been a position coach in the NFL. That's what I think it will come down to. And as of now, it seems like Deshaun Watson's going to play. That is a big advantage for them. Big advantage. And I think Brandon Cooks, who I have in my fantasy team, is actually going to light it up. Because Jacksonville has no one that could cover him. And don't get me wrong, Brandon Cooks is not some amazing receiver. I just think Jacksonville's defense is so bad. So bad. Now, let's go to the last AFC team versus AFC team game that I want to talk about. The Steelers playing against Buffalo. Even if TJ Watt plays, I still think Buffalo takes this game. 
the Steelers don't really start the seasons off too strong most of the time. Except last year. Last year was a completely different story. But most of the time, you know, the Texans, uh, the Steelers started pretty weak, actually. They don't really start off a season hitting the ground running, except last year. But, I mean, Josh Allen, he, he, has a, he doesn't really have a lot to prove, but... He he want he has his eyes set on one thing and one thing only, and that is the Super Bowl. And it will be a great way to get the team rolling, to beat Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Week One. Now I I like Najee Harris a lot, and I think he will have a pretty good game against a Buffalo defense that, if you ask me, is kind of overrated. But I, I don't know how they're going to be able to keep up with Buffalo's offense. I really don't. Even with the Steelers' defense being amazing, I, I think that they're going to be able to contain Buffalo to a decently low score. I, I, I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to do that much. I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to keep up. Even though the Steelers' defense is great, the offense won't be able to keep up even against a Bills' defense that's slowed down by a great or even against a Bills offense that's slowed down by a great defense. I still have Buffalo winning that game. Now, how about interconference games, right? An AFC team versus an NFC team, an NFC team versus an AFC team. The first one of those that I want to talk about is Minnesota against the Bengals. Right? Now, the, the Bengals, ugh, they... <laughs> They do not look all that great. In short, I don't. I don't really think that I need to elaborate on that much. I. I don't see there being much to say. I. I don't think it's a hot take to say the Bengals aren't a good team because they're not. And Minnesota, I think, is very underrated. There's not really much to elaborate on. Minnesota is going to beat the beat the Bengals, and it's not going to be very close. This is a game that I'm really interested to see. Or I would have been, but then Carson Wentz got injured. The Seahawks against the Colts. You know, Seahawks, they're amazing on the offensive side of the ball. Amazing. But that defense, if it could pick up where it left off last year, it won't be too bad. It's not going to be historically bad like last year, but it's not going to be that great. But with Jacob Eason starting... It's going to be very difficult to keep up with that offense and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson early in the season, always great. Always great. Uh, I don't I don't think the Colts are going to be able to keep up just because Jacob Eason, not the best quarterback, and then a pretty lackluster receiver core. Now, how about the Chargers playing against Washington, going into Washington? Washington is a team I'm really high on. Even though they don't have a great quarterback, I love them. I think that defense is probably going to be the best in the league. The Chargers are a good team, don't get me wrong. Their offense, I think, is going to be really, really good. And Brandon Staley's a defensive-minded coach. They're going to be a good team. They are going to be a good team. But, that being said, I just like Washington more. I think the Chargers have the better offense. But the fact that it's in Washington, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to, you know, 
make some magic happen like he always does or like he does half the time. But if Fitzpatrick doesn't play, have a good game, the Chargers win. I think this game is going to be one of the closest ones of this of this week. It's going to be really good to watch. I'm super excited to watch it. But I, I have Washington winning just because that defense is so good. And I think that even though the Chargers offensive line is heavily improved, it's going to be so, so difficult to block that offense, that defensive line. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, that is very difficult to block. I don't care how good your offensive line is. It's going to be difficult. And that, their secondary, I'm telling you, is extremely underrated with Cameron Curl, William Jackson, and Kendall Fuller. That is a great that's a great defense with that defensive line, too. I mean, I I love it. I love it. And although I think Justin Herbert is going to have a great season, it's not going to start off too strong against a Washington defense. I could see picking him off once or twice. Now, what about the Jets playing against the Panthers? The Panthers, you know. Sam Darnold's former team he's playing against, right? I'm excited to see it. I really am. Although, I think the Panthers win this one. Not very easily, but I think they will win. Because Sam Darnold, he he has to prove, like, my days of being a New York Jet and sucking with Adam Gaze, they're, they're past me now. And this is how he proves it. Starting off his new leaf on a brand new foot, on the right foot, I think them getting a win in Carolina... Against the Jets is going to be a great way to start the season and start basically a new career. Now, why do I expect them to win this, right? Robert Sal is a great defensive coordinator, and I can absolutely see Sam Darnold making a couple mistakes that make the game closer than it needs to be. But Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Terrence Marshall, that's a great receiver core, and I don't see anyone on the Jets that could guard any of those three, let alone all three of them at once. And then McCaffrey in the receiving game, too. I mean, Sam Darnold has a lot of weapons on that team, but no one wants to talk about it, do they? How about the Giants playing against the Denver Broncos in New York? The Giants had a pretty impressive offseason going all in, spending a lot of money on a lot of players, a lot of stars, Kenny Galladay, Dory Jackson. They made a lot of big moves. And I think they're going to pay off in the start of the year. Although Daniel Jones, I don't really like him as a quarterback. I don't love Denver's quarterback situation either. Both teams are really similar. Quarterback problems, great defense, great secondary especially. But the, the difference between the two of them is that Denver has an offensive line. The Giants don't. But why do I expect the Giants to win then? The reason I expect the Giants to win is because I see Denver being really concerned about Saquon Barkley. Even though he's coming off an ACL tear, teams don't know how he's going to play. At the start of the season, I see teams being really worried about him. But then once they notice, like, Saquon Barkley's not the type of player that he was before the ACL tear, that's when teams are going to start beating the Giants. Arizona going into Tennessee. 
I have the Cardinals winning it just because the Titans don't have a defense that I really like. Meanwhile, the, the Cardinals defense got a lot better. Got a lot better. Even though, you know, the Titans have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry, those three big names. The defense is terrible. The Titans defense is not that good. Arizona, they made some heavy improvements. J.J. Watt is a great run defender who's really going to help them stop Derrick Henry. And they also have Zavin Collins, who they added in the draft, who I think is going to be great for the team. I think he's going to have a huge impact on this game especially. He's also going to really help them stop Derrick Henry. But then... How are they going to stop A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? Well, that's, that's, I'm, I'll give you that one. I don't real. I'm not sure. I think their pass rush with Chandler Jones is going to have to get to Ryan Tannehill and screw him up. I think if the Titans win this game, it's going to be through the air. I don't know how they're going to run on this defense. Buda Baker, I think, will be able to help them stop Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Byron Murphy, I can see him having a breakout year this year, but... It's possible he doesn't, and if that's the case, that I, I see the Titans throwing all over the team. But Arizona's offense is way better than the Titans' defense. Way better. With DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, I see both of them having monster games. I, th- I think this game's going to be a shootout. And speaking of high-scoring offense, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys going into Tampa Bay against last year's Super Bowl champions. The Buccaneers are going to win it. We all know they are. Don't let's not try and sugarcoat it. Yeah, Dallas's offense is incredible, all that, but their defense is so bad and Tampa Bay's offense and defense just that oh, overall the Tampa Bay roster is amazing. I I don't know how they made such a good team. It is incredible to me. I I don't understand it, but, you know. They did it. They somehow did it, and I think they're going to take down America's team to start the season and really just remind everyone at the start of the year, damn, Tampa Bay might win it again. How about Philly going into Atlanta? I think Philadelphia wins it. Although Atlanta... Their offense, I think, has a lot of stars, but Nick Sariani, he's going to be a hard coach to figure out. And at the start of the year, you know, until teams find out how to beat that very complex offense, I don't think teams with as bad of defenses as Atlanta are going to be able to beat them early in the year. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, what about San Francisco going into Detroit? That's an easy game. That That's really easy. Obviously, San Francisco. D- Detroit is not in a spot where I expect them to be able to win many games this year. Their roster is terrible. And San Francisco made a very... A decision that I agree with. And I think everyone agrees with. To start Jimmy Garoppolo over Trey Lance. Trey Lance has all that talent. He can make all the throws. Very good runner. All that. Okay, I get it. I get it. But the thing is, 
Jimmy Garoppolo can execute at an NFL level at this moment. Trey Lance will be able to in the future, and that's when he's going to tear it up with Kyle Shanahan. But until he's ready, Jimmy Garoppolo is the right play, and I don't see Trey Lance being ready any time this year. I think the only way Trey Lance is going to get on the field this year, if you ask me, is if Garoppolo gets injured, which is very possible. He has an injury history. What about Green Bay playing against New Orleans? That's going to be an interesting one. Seeing Jameis Winston start a game with the Saints. But Green Bay's going to win it. They they feel like they need to prove something this year with their last dance and all that. They're going to have a good season. They're still a good team. And, you know, the Saints have some uncertainty at the receiver position for starters with Michael Thomas out for a little bit. Although I do like that kid Callaway. And then also at quarterback, Jameis Winston, really, that's the best you could do. It's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for the Saints to be anywhere near as good of a team as they were with Drew Brees. With especially with Jameis Winston taking snaps. And I think Green Bay is gonna really put them down to earth and be like, okay, this is the team that you are right now. Now that Drew Brees is gone. You're not going to be the type of team that you were. You're not going to be the consistent playoff team that you were in the past. How about Chicago playing against L.A. with Andy Dalton starting? L.A.'s winning that game. We all know what's going to happen. It wouldn't surprise me if L.A. beats them so hard that they sub Justin Fields in. That would not be a surprise at all. And honestly, if that does happen, he's probably going to play well against the Rams, because the Rams weren't preparing for him, they were preparing for Andy Dalton, and I'm already, I'm already ready for team, for all the social media to be like, oh yeah, Justin Fields is the guy, did you see how he lit up that amazing Rams defense, I'm, I'm ready for that, but then the next week, the next week for the Chicago Bears, when they're starting Andy Dalton, I mean, when they're starting Justin Fields against the Bengals, he's going to have another good game, okay? I know it's going to happen. But eventually, Bears fans are going to be taken down to earth if Justin Fields starts, and they're going to notice, damn, he has so many flaws, and he's going to make huge mistakes that are going to cost us games. And he really was not worth trading up. But, you know, I went on a little bit of a side tangent because we all know I hate Justin Fields, and whenever I get a chance to talk about Justin Fields being bad, I'm going to do it. All right, but the Rams' defense is super good. Great defensive line. Aaron Donald is going to feast. He's going to feast on on Andy Dalton because there is no one to block for him. Aaron Donald is going to light it up that game. And I'm excited to see it. That is all the games for week one. You're, this is the end of the episode. I feel like this is a good place to end it. Uh, Now, I talked about every single team in the league, at least a little bit. Now, was I too negative on your team? Too positive? If you're a Texans or Jaguars fan, I know for sure I was too negative. If you were a Buccaneers fan, I might have been too positive. But, you know, when you're talking about all these different teams, there's going to be some teams I talk about really highly, and then other teams I talk about very negatively. And the reality is, the teams I talk about negatively... It's because they're not a good team. The teams I talk about positively, those are the teams that you're going to be seeing all the way in February playing in the Super Bowl or at least competing for it. 
I'm excited to see you guys next week. For more con- for more content, check out No Huddle NFL, no capitals, no spaces, on TikTok and Instagram.